The following video contains explicit language that may be offensive to some viewers and or be inappropriate for small children, barnyard animals, or the entire state of Iowa. Viewer discretion is advised. Gentlemen, boys and girls, and those of you that have not decided on your gender yet, welcome to another episode of Blather the Show. I will be your host tonight. It's DWG. Here with me is Big Daddy Decaf because Murph is out tonight. Here, Decaf. So you're saying that I normally don't do the show, that if Murph is not here, then I'll just like, not even a part is like, what are you trying to say? I took over for you. <laughs> it's all right. All right, ladies and gentlemen. All right, you can find us at uh, www.twitch.tv slash bladder show. Even though we are not live, we will return of a live stream on Friday, June 23rd. Um, that's what Murph wrote down on the website. I didn't know this ahead of time, but most like anything, hey, I find out things on a Tuesday and we do a show on Friday. Um, and then you can also follow follow us on our underutilized Twitter feed, uh, Bladder the Show. Murph is um, off today because he had his Wee Whacker stuck in a Wee Whacker. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're here all week with the jokes. Uh, but you know what? We, we're going to start off and talk about what me and the DWG, we've been gone ourselves. We went on a lovely cruise that we could afford that came at a really bad time of, of the of the fight. But it worked out great, right? I'm not going to go deep into our death stories or anything like that. You, yeah. can, you, can, find, you can find us at... Um, at uh, the DWG and uh, Big Daddy Decaf on OnlyFans. No, no. <laughs> we're not there yet. We're not there yet, Murph. We're pretty fucking close. And I do be fucking in the term. <laughs> I think we're going to have to go past feet and hands and fingernails and, and clown makeup. I think, <laughs> I think we just got to go full bore out there and shit. Yeah, maybe maybe someone walking down the street be like, "Oh, you're dear, you're the big daddy DK. I love your ass cheeks, bro. Your <laughs> love the ass cheeks. Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting that desperate. But uh, so DWG on your on your cruise, what did you find out about being with your own children for eleven days? Oh God! <laughs> In the same room, hotel rooms. And we all know that, everyone knows that me and DWG only hooked up for one reason, you know. Black, big, yo, younger, yo, you know. <laughs> so all we do is squeaky squeak. So now we have 11 days with kids in the room. And then we still, do we find ways to do it? <laughs> Shh, let's not talk about that live. 
But D W G, how do you feel about your vacation? How was it? It was fucking amazing, babe. Thank you. Your first cruise? Yes. Oh my god, did I know that? <laughs> oh, did you know that? <laughs> it's so shocking. Why have you ever been on a cruise before? Oh yeah. I see your exes. Ladies and gentlemen. Alright. We're gonna move on now. Because Murph is already about to turn us off for or cancel us already. But I think we did pretty good. So what are we gonna we gonna start off with what are we gonna start off with? Oh god, I give her the pad. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I give her she knows what to say. I give her the pad with the note on it and then she can't read it. So let's talk about how expensive prices are introduction nowadays. Of the drinks. Oh, introduction <laughs> of the drinks. It's the one thing you always get right. <laughs> Even I miss the introduction drinks. Even Murph takes a while to get in there sometimes. Alright, so the introduction of the drinks. What are we drinking? What are you drinking tonight? <laughs> what are we drinking? Alright, we're gonna we're gonna get yelled at for arguing over four minutes about what we're drinking, though we're drinking the same shit in the same room, holding it in my fucking hand. Alright, we're drinking the uh, Four Freedoms. London Dry Gin for Smiths. You can get four bottles for 40 bucks if you have a Smiths card. <laughs> with some squirt. We chase it down with squirt, ladies and gentlemen. They can't see on the camera because there is no camera right now. But thank you for representing it. All right. So today, we're going to talk about a classic movie. You know, so... You know, anytime I see anytime I see a movie that's anything in the early nineties, I have to ask the question first. Were you born when the movie came out or were you not born when the movie came out? DWG. <laughs> the movie is Falling Down. Yes, yeah, so we know it's one of Murph's favorite one of mine. And the year is nineteen ninety three. How old were you in nineteen ninety three? Ladies and gentlemen, we don't need to know how old she was in nineteen ninety-three. All we need to know is that it was the director, Joe Shoemaker, who made it. And we have a plot, but we're not gonna talk about it. Instead, we're just gonna dig in right into the movie because it's during one of the times in the eighties and the nineties to tell of the tape. It was during the time in the late eighties and nineties, which Murph really don't know that much about because he's white, but it just falling down is a white movie, so but it was a lot of gay it was all like in colors and a lot of gay movies came out. Controversial do the right thing. It was like America, the boiling power in America is showing how uh the years of uh Ronald Reagan and stuff and then going over to Clinton or Bush and the Clinton and how the world was changing so much at that time. So we start off with um the movie starring Michael Douglas. Plays Bill Foster, Robert Duvall, who's playing a retired uh, retired detective named Prendergast, and Barbara Hershey, who plays Beth, who is the wife to Foster, who is separated currently uh, due to his abuse. Is it separated or divorced? God, that's why not. I think Say. they were divorced. Yeah, same thing these days. All right, we know. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we know first to experience. All right. Anyways. <laughs> Move on from there. All right, so the movie starts off where he's in traffic in Los Angeles, and it's hot. 
and the, and he is and the heat is probably a hundred degrees. No cars are moving. They're doing road construction, and that's probably at, at five minutes into the movie is truly maybe the one of the top five, if not the best scene in the movie, because <laughs> everybody's wanting to do it. He just said, "Fuck it." Got out of his car, said he's going home. People in traffic is yelled at him. He just left his car in the middle of the road. It was like a piece of shit on the Honda. I try to remember what it was, right? And he just said, fuck it, I'm out. And he grabbed his shit out of the car, and he just walked out. And I just want to know, like, DWG, how many times have you felt that feeling? And that's oh, the, that's the theme of the, the movie. All the time. It's like all the time you're sitting in traffic, and you're just like... Yeah, especially when you're like ten minutes from your house or some <laughs> shit. And Murph knows for being in uh in Seattle having to take a long when he was in Seattle had to take a long ride home. In Seattle or I mean Las Vegas is probably like less traffic than most cities. Like I couldn't imagine living in LA or Seattle or any crazy busy yeah. cities. Like we honestly during traffic during traffic, could probably get to the other side of town still in an hour and a half. In LA, it would probably take like three freaking hours. So, so, so being the white girl that you are, how many shitty cars have you been in without air conditioning working correctly? Oh, my car. My- <laughs> Your current car? <laughs> no, not my current car. <laughs> Hey, I, I had a 1992 Ford Ranger. 92? Shit, Murph, Murph's going to be like, I had a 1908 Model T. Yeah. 1992 Ford Ranger stick shift Ford Ranger that did not have air. So I had to roll down <laughs> the windows that did not have power windows. Yeah, so I had to, had to roll, roll down, down all the windows during the summer and just get the I hot mean, air. Have you had a window that just like dropped and you could like it dropped in the door so you couldn't even roll it up or down anymore? <laughs> yes, I've had that happen too. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, 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 you know, it just sparks his anger. So the whole plot, well, the beginning plot of the movie, I'll just do a little bit more of uh, foreshadowing, is that he's angry. He works for the, the, well, he kind of works for the defense company. Sort of work, we'll find out later about his working status. But he was angry. He's one of those people that's divorced. And he, he's, he's like, Done with how America has changed and everything like that, but he's not a Trumper. It's not so much at a Trumper status; it's more at a reality status of how things are. Things are haven't really changed that much today. So the next thing he does is goes to a Korean market. Now I know the whole thing about like learn to speak proper English and all that other stuff. I know that falls into Trumper mentality. But the other part of what he was saying during that scene, when he walked to the stores, he was wanting to get changed for a phone call to go call uh, his ex-wife, who he was stalking, <laughs> which we'll get more into that later. 
But he didn't, and so the guy, instead of getting changed, they say you have to buy something. Oh, which really pisses me off. I hate that. When you try to just go get some change from a store, you have a dollar, you want four quarters or whatever, and then they make you want to buy something. And guess what? Everything's always like 85 cents or some shit like that. But it was 75 cents. So, so what happens? DWG, break it down. He says... Can I just get this for 50 cents so I can get 50 cents for because I'm not going to have enough change to make some freaking change. The guy said, no, you're going to get 75 cents for that coat. So he starts beating down the whole fucking store. And guess what he does? Get that coke for fifty cents. Yeah, he, still, he still pays for it, man. Yeah, and then, then then he got the bat. You know, he got his first weapon of the day. So he got the baseball bat, and um, and that's the thing that he still paid for it. He broke down the whole store. It just I'm gonna roll back prices in 1965. So hey, he did get the he did get enough change for the phone. And so then he, he continues on his day, right? He continues and he walks he, to enjoy his coke. He goes into a gang territory, <laughs> right? He sits on a rock, sits on a rock, you know, no, not bothering anybody. And, of course, two gang members approached him. They wanted to punk him, you know. Can they see white guy? That's the thing about Bill Foster. He's just white guy, suit and tie, or, you know, jacket, you know, jacket tie, just... Was said there, and they were like, "Hey, you know what? You're in our turf." And that which comes back to my life. I don't see your no side here saying that's your turf. And he's like, "Well, I, this is a gang member pissing ground. Just let me go." But they just couldn't let him go, could they? They just couldn't let him go. <laughs> so, so what did he do in return of not letting him go? Well, what did the guys first do? The gang members pull out the knife. It's a swish blade. Yeah. You know what switchblades are? Same difference. <laughs> <laughs> I know. A knife and a switchblade are two different things, trust me. Murphy probably spent 30 minutes talking about but his buddy Ken, his friend Ken would probably talk two hours and they were spending a knife and a switchblade. <laughs> but go ahead. So then what, what, so what does he do in retaliation of the switchblade? So then he starts beating him up. <laughs> yes, he beat down the two gang members with, a, with the bat, which shows how much they were just punks. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like they were, they were trying to scare them. What is briefcase? He's like, no, I will not give up my briefcase. And then he started beating down the two punks. And, he, and, and of course, they... they go off, and later on, they show that, you know, they go talk to their friends, and what do they... And what, you know, what are their friends going to tell them? Man, we're going to get this dude. Man, we're going to get him. Oh, we're going to go get him and all that kind of stuff. But I'll do the introduction to, uh, oh, yeah, I'll do the introduction to Robert Duvall um, as Detective Prendergast. So Detective Prendergast is an interesting character. He's like 56 years old. He's doing desk duty because of... Um, Wanted to get home and stuff like that to his wife, who suffered from mental issues, and, I, and then later on the show will tell why, what happened to their situation, why it led to that, and how much heat he's taking because he's retiring and going to Lake Havasu, 
and you know, and the and all the police force made fun of him. He's like the the butt of the jokes and everything like that. But he's a real serious detective. He's in the robbery division. He's not in the murder division. Anything. He's in the robbery division. So the the Korean market owner comes and starts explaining to him about uh, about the situation, and everything. You know, the cops was like, oh, you know, this is not robbery. This is uh, assault and change up and everything like that. But they show how, as a detective, that he took notes and, like, you know, and, and was like, well, she's going to follow through. But then he got really denied to follow through. So then it moves on to there. And while he while he's dealing with that, then that is when Bill Foster started calling his wife for the first time. You know, he started calling her, letting the phone ring, breathing on the phone, doing that stalker thing, that, you know, that they do and hanging up and not really saying anything. And so she calls the cops to him for the first time to come investigate him and everything like that. But after that, he left and then he went on to, um, well, the, the, oh, when, when he called her from the, from the pay phone, and he's on the pay phone, and was sitting there talking about how uh, the second time he called her about having a party, a birthday party for her daughter, and how he was going to come home and all sort of stuff. And he find out slowly through the movie that he has like, you know, uh, he's not allowed to be there and whatever, but the restraining order had limitations and everything like that. And the cops were being douchebags about it, like helping her out. But then the gang members decided to want to do a drive-by. Of course, what, and like most drive-bys, what happened? They killed everybody <laughs> but him. <laughs> yeah, they bowled out a bunch of people. And he didn't get touched. <laughs> So and they, then he went up and stole the bag of guns. Well, well, well yeah. Well, and, they had a car accident then. Uh, yeah. yeah. He got in a car accident. Not him. Put, the gang members. Yeah, the gang members go. got in a car accident. He went up to them, stole their bag of guns, put the gun to the leg, and said, this is how you shoot a gun. <laughs> yes, he shot him, he shot him in the leg. And said, get some, he said, learn how to fucking shoot. <laughs> or get some shooting lessons. Get some fucking shooting lessons. Shot the gang member in the leg, took the bag of guns, and was strolling off. Another weapon upgrade. He went, so he went from a bat to a knife to a bag of guns. Alright, so then uh, during that time. Uh, when they went to the cops and everything, and then he went to Whammy Burger. <laughs> so they went to Whammy Burger, and then one of the worst things you can I, one of the worst things you can say to someone who's losing their shit, <laughs> you can tell them when he asked for breakfast, and then what happened? DWG. It was ten forty. <laughs> it's not breakfast time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I want breakfast. Was it two? No, it. Oh no, I think it was like eleven. What happened? I think it was like one minute. Was it like eleven? It's not like that. It was level. But the time don't matter. It don't matter. It was like it was like barely over by like a like a minute or. It was right before, regardless. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, "Well, I want breakfast," (laughs) and he's got his freaking burger. 
And it was just a piece of shit burger. (laughs) (laughs) But before that, he started, like, bringing out the gun. (laughs) Willing to shoot up the place. But he wasn't really willing to shoot up the place. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't want to go shoot the people, so that's oh. all. Thing. He wasn't he, out there trying just, to go. He just was. She just lost his shit for a second and shot up the silly, you know. But that's the first thing. He wasn't all mentally stable at the time. But uh, I think it was like Bill Brad. I think Brad was the the manager of the fast food place, and and the girl was really cool. The teenage girl was like, "Oh, that's cool," you know. And he was like, "I want you to fix me breakfast," and then. Then he decided not to have breakfast. He just had lunch anyway. <laughs> but then they show, yeah, and then they showed how sad the burger is. He's trying to compare it to the side. Look at that burger. Look what I got. But even though he still pays for the burger. <laughs> so, you know, the thing is, he shot up the place and scared the shit out of people. But, hey, he still paid for the burger, you know. Mentally, he's still all there. The hell, he's having the, Bill's having a wonderful day. He's like, hey. Everything's good. All right, so then he comes moving on. That's then how the, the homeless guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, the homeless guy. And, and then the, uh, the homeless guy was trying to beg for money and everything. <laughs> and he claimed that he fought in Vietnam, but he would have been like 14 or 11, 12 years old. He's like, how young would you be to even fight in the Vietnam War, right? <laughs> and it's like, man, I just want money, man. I just money. It's like, I give you food, you know. That's the whole thing. I hate that. Have you ever done that before? Where you have to try to give someone begging for money? And that's why I gave up on it. And it's bad in Vegas. But have you ever tried to give someone food? They're saying, I'm hungry, want food. And give them food, and they're pissed off. I have done that before. And they get pissed off that you gave them food. Yeah, I actually have. Because I've run a lot of um, runs during Fremont and like after finding my parking there's a lot of homeless people and you know they give us granola bars and oranges and apples and stuff so I offer it to the homeless people and they're like mad about it so it's like y'all don't want fucking food you want money to go get more fucking drugs fuck (laughs) y'all why would I give you money (laughs) that's the problem with y'all that's why y'all living on the streets Which which brings up a very important scene is showing that he said, I want your briefcase. Just give me the briefcase because he had a bag of guns. He said yeah. he gave the guy the briefcase so he's all happy to open the briefcase. And what was in it? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> which tell which I was when we're on the airplane flying back. We this is this is how long the flight was. I, I'm telling you, Murph. <laughs> I'm telling everybody out there. I was so pissed. I had shit downloaded on Netflix. Netflix sound stopped fucking working. It's a brand new iPad. I cannot get... I had it earlier when I was on the flight over there. It's not the headphones. It's not the sound. Everything else has sound except for Netflix. 
you can't uninstall Netflix and reinstall it. You know why? Because they have no fucking internet to uninstall and reinstall Netflix on the plate. I had no choice. So I was like, I just sit there. Because we're on spirit. We're <laughs> <laughs> spirit, which is a story in his fucking self, right? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> which maybe we'll talk about. Maybe, you know what? We'll talk about it on the live show about what happened on spirit, right? But then again, I don't know how perfect. But anyway, all right, moving on from that. But, yeah, so that's the thing. It's like, uh, had no sound or anything. So we're going through, we're talking about the show. We're talking, do we have notes and stuff? So, you know what? Let's do the show because we planned to do the show before we even left on the cruise. You know, we saw the movie. So that's why we're kind of a little bit rusty on certain things. We're not as fresh in our mind. But, you know, uh, it was our first time seeing it. And I've seen it multiple times. And so we were taking notes on the plate. And I was like, you know what? This dude almost dies for nothing because when the gang members wanted his briefcase, there was nothing in it. And maybe I didn't realize it back when the movie first came out, but it was another realization of the play. And I was yeah, like, we were just sitting there taking notes about the show, and we're like, we're like, man. This dude really was gonna risk his life for nothing, <laughs> nothing right. just it's, to prove his point, point. <laughs> over bullying. Like, fuck you, motherfuckers! <laughs> You're not gonna take advantage of me. <laughs> yeah, which also brings up uh, one of Merce's favorite lines. Me, Merce's favorite lines, and showing that I'm not economically viable. And and what was so I think, you know, because it was 92, I don't know if people like watch it today will take it in or maybe people will take it more in than at that time. I don't know. You know, that's something to bring up uh, on on the show on the 23rd. Not saying that you have to, Murph, but you will. So this, (laughs) so the economically viable. So I'm trying to figure out like, uh, so do people know? What was the whole point about it, right? It's because it's a black man that's saying it, but they're but they're giving people loans, but they did it. It was a racial overtone, but they undertoned it. They didn't say like I'm black person, you don't give me loan, you're racist and stuff like that. But he pretty much was saying like I'm not economically viable. Even though I have all the ability to run a company, do this, but you don't see me economically viable. Now, DWG and honesty, do you know economically viable even is? Do you know the term? What do you think it means? You're not economically viable. <laughs> but what do you think it means, though? They're saying that they give him money as a loan, as a business, that they don't see him making enough money. To, to be pay able, it, exactly to pay it back. Yeah. right, and but then you know he's like, "Did you get a loan, sir? Did you get a loan?" <laughs> you know, they're saying I'm not economically viable, and that's the thing is that it's 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 not so much the point to me if he could pay it back, if he's going to be successful, is that the banks like that can make your decision on your business, right? And how they? How do they know, right? How do they well, know? Honestly, <laughs> I can make that a suggestion with today's society. Do you think when you answer that you're black on a bank certificate that they would deny you? 
what well, they don't really they don't do it anymore. <laughs> they use to ask for racist stuff or questions, but a lot of racial questions to that now they don't ask. But they, they but do, they don't need to ask. They kind of do. Why would they not need to ask? You just go on Facebook. You type in Jason Life. You see a black person there. You see what I say? Social media now. You don't have to even ask about a race or a person no, because of the research. If you were to sign up for a credit card today and just put yourself as a black man, they don't ask for race anymore. They yeah. don't ask for race. I've signed, trust me, <laughs> as bad off as we are, I've tried. They don't, they never asked me for my race to apply okay, for a credit card. Then I'll ask you. That, what, they do, what they do is they go and run through your credit, <laughs> right? And your credit will tell everything. And then that's the whole thing. But judging by what they feel is your credit, whatever, they are making the decision that they want. But most banks won't give people loans, not unless they show that they have money to be able to give money back to them because banks had to start curving that because it was so bad you're not wrong <laughs> it is that bad and it still exists but it they don't make it they, but they don't make it as obvious and i want to make that point proven yeah. if you were to put oh. yourself on a career position in the same position you're working at would you still feel like you would get the same amount of money you're making at, at a new job? It's a tough question. I, I, I think they would go through and they see, because it's, it's society there, it still exists of the, the good ones and the others, right? And they'll see in my past and everything that I'm one of the good ones. So I'm the one that they will probably put in. Just <laughs> be dead serious. There's probably because like there's a ten does. other black people. They will not put in the same position. They will probably put me in because they'll see that I have college education. I did this and that and everything, and I went through the route, the 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 white route to get you know what they feel. High enough to give you the opportunity. I just went totally off topic. <laughs> but I want to just make people realize that racism <laughs> does oh. still exist. Oh, no, trust me. We know. <laughs> but yeah, no. But that's why I feel. I, I can't put myself in that category of that. Because I know people will see what I have and things I've done. And will give me that opportunity over other black people who have not. You know, if they need a minority to fit the protocol, the the quota, if they need a black person to fit the quota, most likely I'll probably I'm more in that chance of being that black person to be put in the quota. Oh, you know, we interviewed him. He's a really nice guy. He comes off like my brother, like my like my brother Craig. Like that's why he moves up so fast. Is because hey, you know, oh, he smiles. <laughs> he smiles all the time. He's not an angry black man. I mean, seriously, that's not a secret, right? How long has Craig been a 
finished job. Well, I mean, he works two jobs and then like took a part time job at Home Depot to pay bills, and he's already moved up four spots. He moved up four spots in a year because he's the nicest fucking person you can talk to, right? And then and then Lobo, hey Rod, hey you know when Craig Rod, it's, it's like we call Craig's real, but yeah, hey Rod, I'm telling you, it's like. Just, you know, oh, man, he's so good. He's so, you know, you to move him up because he, he's that person, that that example that they can say. is like, hey, you know what? Well, you guys don't hire that many black people. Ron moved up. He's up four spots. He, we just hired him last year. You know what I'm saying? He is that person. But, all right, we're going to move on. DWG's telling me to move on, which is good. Okay, so so he, he goes to the Webby Burger. He goes crazy. So I, I would say one of the most deepest parts in the movie uh, is when he goes into his surplus store and he runs and, 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 and so is a very the guy there you can see that he's one of those creepy dudes or whatever and you try to get like a feel you, you know you feel the selling because there was a home uh, homeless Jesus Christ Jesus. there was a homosexual couple in there right and he kept on making homosexual jokes and stuff like that and then they, that guy's like, oh, you know, do something. He's like, no, it's no big deal. Let's just go lead us to whatever the case may be. So he, but he's one of those, um, that guy is a trumper. All right. Yeah, that guy is really a true trumper in the, in the place. And he listens to the police. And he, you know, he hears about, all day he hears about a vigilante. You know, that's what they call Bill. as a vigilante going in and, destroying the store there and whatever you know that he's uh all this other things and missing the point of what bill's actually trying to do he really isn't trying to hurt anybody he really try he's just trying to give a point like why does this have to be a certain way and so you can see like oh man you, you get that that point in the movie where it's like man you know that you know that's not right but it's cool as shit <laughs> <laughs> that he is doing these things because it's things that you always wanted to do, right? <laughs> or things you wanted to say. When you're stuck in Trump traffic, <laughs> you want to leave off the street. <laughs> it's shit that you want to do. And they let you, they let you know that message early. His, his path, right? And, and, and so then he goes to the surplus market and he's changing his outfit, and then the this they can hear the dispatch of the walkie-talkie for the cops. And then the lady cop comes in there, and uh, you know, of course, he's making his sexual references about being a woman cop and everything. Being a woman's not as good as a man cop, and they should call her a, a police ass, I think, or a cop ass. What are the words he use? And uh, to distinguish her to be different than being a man cop because she's not ass, you know, not a man. But then, you know, they gave a description of him with the suit and the tie and everything like that. And so he kicked everyone out of the store and he closed it. And Bill asked him, like, "What? why are you protecting me? What? Why are you doing this? And so the guy went on a whole Nazi rant. He just went there to Nazi, Nazi rant, took him to the back room. And what, what was he showing him, DWG? Were you paying attention? Uh bunch of bazookas and like all the shit they killed with the Jewish and 
Yeah, like the gas can, like the gas can. This is the actual can they use. How many Jews did this kill? It was disgusting. (laughs) I know. It it was hard for me to watch. (laughs) And that's the thing is that it is hard to watch. It's like, you're a vigilante, you know. He's like trying to say that, you know, to build that you're a vigilante. You're going against the system. You're this and that and you know, and then it's like when you go to Whammy Burger, like you did, and all you know, all you do, you see is all white families, and they go in there, and then you just see a bunch of the N word and everything like that, and he's just going on and on and on about stuff like sexist, <laughs> feminist, fascist, racist, everything yeah, like that. It was. So hard for me to watch. Yeah, it's your common trumper. Alright, so that's the common <laughs> So so then he ended up uh, well that's the thing is that I love how they drew I love how they did the scene because they kept it dark in the dark room, they kept showing all the swastikas, they kept showing the mask, the gas mask and all this other stuff. And Bill's face was a face of disgust too. That's the best part of it. Is that even he was looking around like, you know, he's like, no, you know, oh no, you're one, of, you're me, you are the same, and he's like, we're not the same. Yeah. I'm an American standing up for my consumer rights and stuff like that. You're a sick fuck. Yes, <laughs> best line ever. <laughs> because he was. A- Fuck. <laughs> he's like, all right. So then they he tried to handcuff him, and then he end up getting getting the knife, stabbing him with the knife, and he shot him with the gun. And then he took his boomerang, <laughs> <laughs> bazooka, bazooka, <laughs> boomerang. Right. You know, babe, a boomerang and a bazooka. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little bit of a difference. But so after that scene, though, know, he uh, he called his wife, and and the cops, I think, by that point, he, they already been there twice, and, and so he called his wife, I think, a third time, and he was like, "I'm at the point with no return," and you know, pretty much saying to her like, "I'm gonna come see you." Nothing's gonna the, the son's birthday. Yeah, or you know, I, he didn't tell that he killed the guy, but he was pretty or daughter's daughter's birthday, and he's pretty much saying that I'm coming there. No one's gonna stop me. I don't care how many cops you call. And then she was like, "Well, the cops are here." And he's like, "Put them on the phone." They hung up because the cops are already left again. <laughs> you know, and and that's the thing that. You know that I would go and pass it up to DWG because it was once, twice, three times, and every time they asked the questions, what were the cops asking, and, and and what were the cops feeling or their reply back to her or whatever? It was it was not believing the woman. It was like, oh, no matter what you're believing, they didn't care about the woman, and it was. You know, I've been in situations like that. I won't go into details of my life, but yeah. But what so, were the but what were the cops asking? What questions were they asking? Did they actually hit you? Did they hit the kid? 
Is anybody involved right now? Is he here right now? No, no. Okay. They just left. Where it's like, still, if you feel your life is in danger. You're always what? told to call the cops. Right? Yeah. To call the cops. But yeah, so they came, when they came the third time, they thought that she was crazy and, yeah. and psycho and everything like and that. And then the third time she called the cops. They came, he, they left, and then he showed up. Because <laughs> <laughs> he knows, because he knows the sister, right? You know, and that's the thing. It's like, restraint order, well, they, I couldn't do this and that because of this and that. Well, I couldn't do this because he couldn't prove anything. It was all words. And then, you know, everything was words. And then when he comes in, the... Uh, his wife Beth and the kid, the daughter, run out the house, and he's in there. And then you watch oh, the video. Oh, and then he's sitting there watching the freaking <laughs> <You know>? home <laughs> videos, <laughs> acting like it's his own house. Like it is his house. It's the man's house. <laughs> it is his house. I mean, it was his house before he got kicked out of it. It's just to live with his mom, which because is cool. Because he's psycho. <laughs> so you know, he, he was watching the whole videos. Everything there in the videos, you can see. Over time, how he started to come apart and everything like that. So, you know, they, they go and, and then, of course, we'll go back to uh, Prendergast. So, at this time, uh, I'll do I'll, I'll do a quick uh, run by of what he was going through. So, he was going through a lot of jokes and shit about his retirement. And, you know, people faking like they don't want him to leave and all this other stuff. But during that time, he was always pressed to people like, hey... Who's this guy with the white tie that, you know, talking to the girl who was in the car that with the gang members and getting information from her. And the cops were like, what's that guy? The other detective was like, that guy doesn't do anything. She's just a liar because she's a gang member or whatever. But the girls actually tell the truth, right? And then he, you know, he, he finds out and gets the information and he recalls the car. Earlier in the movie, where he abandoned the car and the license plate that says defense, and he helped push the car off the side of the road, right? It began the movie, and it came back, and it's like, oh, that's that guy that everyone's describing had a tie in the suit. And so then they found out his name was Bill Foster because they didn't give it away at that time. William Foster, Bill Foster at that time. And so then. That's what led him to see the address that he lived at. And then him and uh, the other detective came to the house. And when they came in, he shot the cop. He shot the, the late cop. Oh, man, I, think, I think her name was Angela. And then he shot her and he escaped out. And he went to the location where he knew his wife would go and the kid, uh, his daughter at that time. Right? It's leading to the ending of the movie. So, when he gets to the beach, how did you, like, feel? I mean, I think I like how it, it, it was such a tough situation because it was the mom was one way and the daughter is another way. So, from a woman's perspective, how do you think that he, that she had, that she was trying to play it? If you, you remember how she was trying to play the part, right? Because he was like, hey, all hugging on her and then going to the daughter. It, but at the same time, 
she didn't want to know her daughter like he was <laughs> a danger. Or or were you falling asleep by that that far do you remember? Um, when they were on the beach and he had the gun Yeah, it's I don't know. This is a tough subject. Oh, okay. Sorry, alright. <laughs> I don't wanna put you in an uncomfortable situation. Alright. But no, overall it was more but see if I do a man side of it, it's just gonna be all so general, but alright. So, from the general side, from a man's point of view, is that she was trying to put on a performance, not to scare the daughter, and he's, like, talking to the daughter and everything, like, everything's okay, when everything's not okay. And then, that's when uh, Detective Prendergast, you know, approached and started talking to him and tricked him to let him get the gun away from him. And... He said, well, where was going to end that, right? And I know that's the part that makes it tough because he was like, "How was what was going to be your end game? That's what Printer Guys asked Foster straight up. What was going to be your end game? And it's like, well, I'm going to be back with my wife and you know daughter. He's like, no, you're not. <laughs> so what was going to eventually happen? Can you talk about that part, what he said? that <laughs> Those the do you remember, or you just can't? No, I do remember. Oh, okay, but it's, it's just <laughs> too right. hard for me. All right. Well, he said that he's going to. I know you're going to end up killing your wife and your daughter, and or your ex-wife and your daughter, and and that's how the situation is going to end. And he's like, no. And of course, everyone who watched the movie, you know how it's going to end up happening, right? He's going to kill, yeah, he's going to kill her, kill the daughter, and then kill himself, right? And, and so that's the whole thing of the movie. It's like, I think uh, overall, that makes it what is tough, but it's real. But also, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you find out that it's, that Printer Guy's wife is uh, has a mental... Uh, instability is because they lost their daughter too when they were uh, uh, very young I, I think it was cancer they lost her too so it was like he understood the loss of it but he understood it differently he understood it like this is a loving situation you were out here like crazy you know <laughs> you do your thing and, and what makes it so hard well I bring it after the fact now let me I'll, I'll talk about the ending first and then he had a water gun he pulled out and he, you know, uh, he ended up dying. Uh, printer guy shot him. He ended up dying. Bill ended up dying because that's how you have to end the movie and everything like that. But overall, it's hard for me. And then I think now you can move on and ask the answer the question. How do you feel about the movie compared to, like, do you think that the balance of it is what made it such a good movie between showing his, his, uh, Taking us aside, I, I totally left out the bazooka, and the bazooka blowing up the street, the the missile blowing up the street. But do you think that his attitude of society, without the part of how he was uh, stalking and crazy over his wife and child, you think if they didn't have both parts of the movie, it would have made the movie different? Do you think it, it needed both or? Do you, you know, or do you feel like you, you want to cheer him on 
for the things no, like like the golf no, course. I forgot it, about the golf course too. Yeah, yeah, if he wasn't as crazy as he was with stalker and that side of the story, with everything he did, he had he did everything right because he really was just like, hey, I just want a fucking coke. <laughs> hey. I just want to fucking leave traffic. Hey, fuck this. Fuck that. Fuck this. We all failed that. So, I mean, I don't disagree how he felt with everything. But, you know, as you know everything I've gone through in my life. So, I just can't really know that day. Yeah, I know. And and that's the thing. It's like I, you know, you, you 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 know, you feel the same way. But what was crazy and uh, that that's one of the things. Like you know, Murph always like like our last show. He's like, oh, he listened to. It. He's like, oh yeah. So Murph, we got a question. I have a question for you. Do you think that Foster and Prendergast's life was exactly the same? <laughs> you know, was exactly the same, but different, right? Did they go or did they go on reverse order? Well, one person was like this and came to reality, and the other person was like that and dropped out to the solution, right? You know, <laughs> I, I just wonder the comparison between the two men themselves because their stories are. They have similarities, and I would like to know uh, at the beginning of the next episode that we do uh, when we come back live, how do you feel or what you think is the similarities between the two and what you think the differences are? Because I think both of them were at men at their point in their lives where one was like, okay, it's time to move on and do this, but I had this itch. I got this itch to investigate this last case because this is what I do. While the other one is like, you know what? I'm falling apart, but I got to see my ex one more time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But he's at the disillusion and he's at reality of what the situations are. And I think at the maybe earlier in their careers, he was like, I'm going to be this kind of cop or whatever. And he was like, I'm going to be this. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'll just talk it out of my ass. But I just, I always looked at, as a writer myself, I always try to look at the comparison between uh, the protagonist and the antagonist, or both characters, and how they compare to each other and match up. You know, and and then what's the differences? Are there similarities? Man, there's no similarities. Maybe I'm misreading it, but I would like to know. So. But folks, oh man, we almost got an hour. <laughs> but folks, we have actually got an hour, and and I and that's the thing, man. It was just so deep, and there's so much to talk about. And I know it's one of um, Merch's favorite movies, and uh, you know we like to get his opinion about it. And I know I went down a tough road with the DWG because I know certain parts for her was. Uh, Tough to watch due, due to like past situations. So, you know, I think that we actually did pretty decent. And um, I think we're going to go to the close of the show. You're going to go to the closing. So, where can they find us, DWG? 
You can find us at twitch.tv slash Or Twitter at <laughs> the pod, or wherever you can find us at the <laughs> streaming network. <laughs> and if you can't find us live, you can find us at the archive. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gives a website to that, but you know, most of us too now by then, you know. And then, as, as it is showing, who are you? I'm DWG. <laughs> And I'm the Big Daddy D-Cat. And DWG, do you have any last words before we close out the show? Love (laughs) (laughs) y'all. All right. Good night. And we're clear. Oh, I had to just stop first.